Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Content warning. This podcast discusses violence, murder, suicide, civil unrest, aggressive policing, racism, and lynching. If you or anyone you know is considering suicide or self-harm or just need to talk about problems, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Previously, on After the Uprising. Did he seem excited about going out that night? Danny said he did. My brother, he said he did. I saw him leave out the door last night, because I was sitting in the kitchen. Do you know about what time that was? About 9 o'clock. Got his car and drove off? No, he didn't leave in the car. That was the thing as well. His car was down. So there's no sheet? Uh, Unfortunately, my mother is not. If this happened to your child, Wouldn't you want to get down to the bottom of this and find out what really happened? You might know the passcode to Danye's phone. Is that true? I have a clue what his passcode might be. No one got his phone open? No one has gotten his phone open yet. This is a deceased person's phone? Correct. (laughs) I wish I had a clearer answer for you. A lot of these phones that have a Qualcomm chipset usually give me an option to bypass the passcode, but I never have luck with them. I'm not too hopeful on it. What you're looking at is the aftermath of the grand jury deciding not to indict Officer Wilson. A young man found hanging from a tree in October. His mom believes someone murdered her son, targeting him. Danye became an activist in the wake of the shooting death of Michael Brown by a white police officer. That's why Melissa McKinnis wants St. Louis County Police to dig deeper into her son's death. He was not suicidal. This is After the Uprising, the death of Danye Dion Jones. she told you about what they did with the evidence they destroyed it it was they destroyed it after we told them that we were having a private investigation and that we needed that Uh they destroyed it that's enough of it this is okay so case for it's all jacked okay it's a a botched horrible investigation and it looks 
it looks suspect on every level. So now what are you doing? What, what are you doing? That was Melissa speaking with retired University City Municipal Police Commander Captain Carol Jackson again. After learning details about the investigation into Danye's death, Captain Jackson expressed her opinion that it sounded rather substandard. And she wanted to know what Melissa was going to do to continue to move forward now that the primary piece of physical evidence had been destroyed by the police. We wanted to know the same thing. And for the first time in a long time, Melissa seemed pretty fired up. I guess I'm anxious. I just feel like we're close to getting somewhere. I'm just ready to just take off, you know, just take off running, just start screaming down the street, you know. Who killed my son? Who's covering up the murder of my son? You know, I'm just ready to do whatever um, it's going to take. The St. Louis County Police Department was asserting that they had sent Melissa a letter telling her to come and claim the sheet and that she had 30 days to do so. They claimed the letter was sent on January 23rd. And since Melissa did not retrieve the sheet within 30 days of that, the property department destroyed it. Now, we will be digging into the details of all this in a future episode, but we do want to note that upon learning the sheet was destroyed, we immediately sent a sunshine request to the St. Louis County PD Records Department. We asked for every record they had relating to evidence in the Donye Jones case, with a specific ask for anything regarding the bedsheet. We were quickly sent a reply email that listed the pieces of evidence in Donye's case. So, just to help you understand this, Each piece of evidence in the case file has its own evidence receipt. And in Danye's case, the evidence police had was a blood sample card, a CD with the recordings of Melissa's and Daniel's 911 calls, and the bedsheet he was hanged with. However, the rapid response we got from St. Louis County to our sunshine request did not include an evidence receipt for the bedsheet, which to us was very odd. If the bedsheet had been destroyed in early March of 2020, as the county police were claiming, then why was the evidence receipt for the sheet not returned to Danye's case file before June, when we requested it? We would presume that after evidence is destroyed, the evidence receipt would be promptly returned to the case file, so that any officer who needed to reference the file would know that that piece of evidence had at one point existed. So if the sheet was destroyed in early March, as they claimed, why for over three months had the evidence receipt not been returned to the case file? We asked both the Records Department and Information Officer Sergeant Benjamin Granda to explain this, but neither would give us an explanation. The destruction of the bedsheet and where it sent us is going to be the subject of a future episode. But first, there is another pressing set of developments we need to share. The data extraction company in Texas where we sent Danye's Android phone succeeded in bypassing his passcode, and they gave us a whole data map of the phone's contents. Hello? Hi, my name is John Duffy, and I'm actually uh, an investigative journalist, and I'm doing a story about a young man named Danye Jones, who I believe you had some real estate dealings with maybe two years ago. Does I it... don't believe so, no. You don't remember? I haven't had any real estate dealings with somebody. Oh, oh, maybe, uh, is he a black gentleman? Yes. Okay, yes, I do remember him. I was selling a house for my brother-in-law, and he was trying to scam us. He was trying to scam you. Yes. I'm going to start off by letting you know that uh, Danye has has passed away, and the circumstances surrounding his death were sort of mysterious. I got your. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I got your phone number through his phone, and I just saw text messages between uh, you and him. Can I have your first name? Do you mind telling me? Jennifer. Jennifer, hi. Do you have any objection to kind of telling me what went down with him trying to get your house or what that was like? Um, well, what it was, what it was, was um, we were selling it. It was just a cash deal. You know, he was wanting 12000 for the house. And the guy said, okay, you know, I'm going to run this through my company, blah, blah, blah. And we got to get a title search done, which will take a couple of days. And then, you know, then we'll buy the house or whatever. Well, a month goes by and he's still not committed. Well, he's messaging me saying this and saying that but in actuality he was never had any intentions of doing anything about it but he said that my brother-in-law signed a contract 
stating that he had a month to do anything about it and everything. So. And then what happened at the end? Um, we got tired of dealing with him because he was just, he was just bullshitting is what he was. When you met him in person, was there anything you remember about him? Anything that stood out or anything like that? No, not really. Okay. How did I mean, the car and vehicles he drove didn't look like he had, like, straight up cash to purchase houses. Like, he was talking, like, he, he was saying that, you know, he bought houses all day long and stuff, but he just didn't look like he had the knowledge or anything to be doing any of that. What kind of car did he show up in? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. Okay. He, he, it was a couple different ones. Because his car, his personal car was a Lexus, like a... Like, yeah, no, he never showed up in one of those. What I'm trying to do is kind of understand his last days, his last weeks, his last months, and like what kind of financial trouble maybe he was in, or you know what things were going right, what things were going wrong. Um, right. But yeah, so no money ever changed hands or anything like that? No. Okay. No, I mean, I'm sorry that he said. I, I had no clue. Like, that was those text messages were the last time we ever had any dealings with him at all. Yeah, and it was, I, uh, looking at it, it looked like the last time you guys had any communication was October 2nd, and then he uh, he was found dead the morning of the 17th. So it, it was about oh, two weeks later. Maybe that's why we never heard from him again. I don't know. The last thing he writes to you is, I'll contact you in a bit, and that's on October 2nd, and then you just wrote, okay. And that was about noon. And uh, it looked like you got, he was trying to come over, like arrange like a time to come over to look at the house or something. And that was the last thing that you guys had. I, and I, I believe he did. I believe he did come over that day. But, you know, we just told him that we were tired of the back and forth. Do you feel like you rem- maybe remember like if the, if the last thing he said to you was still along the lines of, don't worry, don't worry, I'm going to buy this? Yeah, yeah. That's basically what he. That's what he kept saying the whole time. Because because he's definitely in contact with finance people and other things like that, and maybe that is why it never it, it happened. It, so. Right. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. One of the reasons cited by the medical examiner's office and the police for Donye's supposed depression was that his real estate business wasn't doing well. Now that we had access to his phone, we did our best to figure out how well his business was or wasn't doing. But let us start by reminding you that Donye seemingly started having an interest in real estate in late summer of 2018. To suggest that the business not doing well 
only three months later would be enough to drive Danye to suicide, while plausible, does require that you believe Danye not only had very unrealistic expectations about what he could accomplish in such a short time, but also that he was staking a large part of his perception of himself and his self-worth on these expectations, which is a heck of a presumption to make. We should also note that on his Facebook page, as a headline, Danye wrote, Success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. We take that with a grain of salt, as anyone can write a motivational headline, it doesn't mean they will live by it. But it does hint at the notion that Danye was aware that success wouldn't come overnight, and that it wouldn't come without struggle. His grandmother Gloria said something to this effect the first time that we met her. The thing about being suicidal caused uh, probably not doing because he even told me at times when you show a house, doesn't mean because you show a house, they're talking about buying it, they're going to get it. So that's a thing where he already knew. That was already in his head. He knew that you may have everything of ducks in a row, as they say, but it might not always be in the way you, you know it's going to happen. It takes time and stuff. And so that to say he was suicidal because of a house not turning over or whatever, that was the furthest from the truth. Looking through his phone, we can see that Danye was a member of several real estate groups on Facebook, mostly focusing on wholesale real estate and flipping houses. He was messaging a lot of people, asking a lot of questions about this or that house, talking numbers, and occasionally trying to move the conversation forward towards some sort of contract sale deal. We can see that he was watching YouTube videos on various elements of the real estate world, and also Google searching for explanations of various terms and concepts. His Instagram profile shows that he was trying to sell a few houses over the river in Illinois, in places like Murfreesboro and Granite City. And on September 5th and 6th of 2018, he posted photos to his Instagram of three different houses with the word sold, photoshopped across them in large text. Unfortunately, as Danye was diving into the world of wholesale real estate, he wouldn't necessarily take possession of these properties himself and might only be facilitating a purchase between a seller and a different buyer. So no record at a county office would necessarily signify his involvement. So he couldn't confirm if these were actual sales or if Danye was just posting these photos to make it appear as if he had succeeded in various deals. Hello? Hi, my name is John Duffy. Uh, I'm actually, I'm a journalist. I'm working on a story about a young man named Danye Jones, who I think two years ago had some real estate or attempted real estate dealings with you. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> That's a name that I didn't want to ever hear again. This is Corey. We found a long series of texts between Danya and her in which she was very angry because apparently on October 5th, 2018, Danya was supposed to close on purchasing her house, which he said he would buy with cash, sight unseen, seemingly to flip, but he never showed up to the closing. I don't know if you know this, but he's dead. And we've been basically just kind of running down his story. And then in his phone, I found some text messages with you where you seemed pretty upset at him about missing a closing or something like that. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he was supposedly um, in a real estate investor, and we were trying to sell our home, and he, he strung us along for a really long time and then never even showed up for the closing on the, on the property. And so we missed several opportunities in the meantime. So that's really it. Just made our life miserable. So he, so he was telling you he was going to buy your house? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then and you guys yes. had that all worked out? You had the price all worked out and everything? Yeah, we had all the papers. Yeah, everything was all done. And then he just never came to finish it? Yeah. And then what happened at the end when he didn't, when he didn't come? Um, well, we tried getting in touch with him. And we just weren't hearing anything back. He just kind of ghosted us. We ended up finding someone else and were able to sell the house pretty quickly after all that. But yeah, it was just, <laughs> he definitely did not present himself the way that he, the way that it seemed to, that he really was. He really was not professional. And it was a very emotional, frustrating time. My dad had just had four strokes. I mean, besides that, I don't, but I mean, we never even met him. 
everything was just through, like I said, I think it was just through Facebook Messenger. It was really savage. Something bad happened to him. What happened? It's been ruled, it's been decided that it was a suicide officially. That's tragic. Yeah, and it was only 13 days after your house closing, or not even, like 12. He was definitely attempting to be a real estate investor. And what we've been trying to kind of figure out is, did he owe anybody money? You know, was he in the hole? Wow, that's just, that's terrible. Did you know him? I did not know him. Um, I became aware of his death shortly after it happened because of the circumstances. It got a little bit of national coverage because, of course, uh, you're aware he was a young black man. And he, yeah. he was hanging in a tree in his mother's backyard. And oh my goodness, it might seem that between Jennifer and Corey, Danya was not exactly doing a great job of the whole real estate thing. But those were the only two people we found in all of his contacts and conversations who were angry with him. So as far as we can tell, that's the entire book of evidence on his business failing. We also spoke to a man named Wardell, who was seemingly working with Danya on a deal. Yeah, the only um, thing I tell you is that he followed me, I guess, on Facebook in an investment group. And from there, we met, uh, we had conversations through Facebook. Once that we worked on a project over in Granite City that we were trying to work on together, that fell through, and that's that's all. Because you guys were talking, it was, it was right, bef- right before he died, so I know it wasn't like, didn't look like you knew him for very long. Um, right, but, right. But you, right. Met him in, you met him in person, though, right? Yeah, yeah, saw him in person. I want to say uh, the incident, I guess, it occurred, I don't know how long after the fact, but I had just met the guy. He seemed like he was a real good kid. Did you feel like he was kind of in over his head with the real estate stuff? Did you feel like he had a good mind for it? Like, did you have an opinion at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had an excellent mind. Uh, he had a, a real good um, persona about himself. Um, I liked his work ethic. Um you know, as a matter of fact, I haven't mentioned it to my, my kids. I mean, you know, you want to make things happen. I mean, look at this young man here. What happened with the Granite City property? It just, it never went through. I guess the owner didn't want to accept the offer that we were working with. That was it. Was he mostly trying to do wholesale stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. do you mind giving me, like, a really quick and dirty explanation of what that means? Because I might think I know, but I don't know that I know. No, I mean, it's basically where we try to go in and buy the property and work on selling to another investor. So it re- it requires putting some money down? Correct. Okay. Did you have any inkling as to whether or not he had other properties? I had no inkling whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, but like what I was saying, just as far as our conversation, he seemed just all he knew what he was doing. He was hungry to work uh, deals, and that's it. Is there anything else you remember about him that stands out? Just that he was a good person. It didn't come across as uh, you know anything was worrying him. Uh, he just knew what he wanted. It seemed like in life, and he was just hungry. But he's a hard worker. That's all I know. Danye's last communications with Wardell that we can see in his phone occurred on October 13th, basically three days before Danye's death. And in this communication, Danye is asking Wardell about a deal on a particular property, and Wardell tells him that there is a major spread on it and that getting 75 k is a cakewalk. The closing with Corey that Danye missed was on October 5th, so it doesn't seem as if he has been demotivated by that deal going bad, as eight days later, he's still trying to hunt down new deals with Wardell. We have to remember that how adept Danye was at the real estate game, or how he may have oversold himself to certain potential sellers, isn't at issue. His emotional and mental states are what we care about. And to that, there were other things going on in Danye's life besides trying to break into the world of buying and selling property. We saw a bizarre series of texts that we couldn't quite understand, where he's talking about sending someone money when he gets it and asking if the person can't just, quote, turn it back on. In the phone, the number was listed under the name Deal, and we wondered if perhaps this person was in the drug trade, so we called the number. I deal car. I'm a dealer. So you're in Idaho. Are you in Boise? In a Boise, yes. This is Ahmad. He's a used car dealer, and he sold Danye his Lexus. 
he bought a Lexus 1998 or 99. I sold the car with a $500 down payment or $600 down payment. He said I'm a construction work. Just anything else you remember about him? Uh, I'm interested in hearing. I, I meet him a couple times because he's coming in, grab his car. He was really quiet guy, not talking so much. He's a really cool guy. Anything he told me, straight told me, say, hey, bro, I don't have money that much. This time, I'm going to make it. This time, I'm going to get my salary or something. Apparently, on several occasions, Danye missed making his car payments, and he would call up Ahmad and work it out. So sometimes he would just miss payments, and then he'd have to kind of deal with, you know, wheel and deal back with you to try to get square? Yeah. And if he's going to miss payment or something like that, if he contact with me, say, hey, bro, I'm behind this month or this month, something like that, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm not that kind of greedy. Say, no, bring the car back for me, or I'm going to go chase him down to get the car. Did you feel that he was honest? He was honest, yes. So he wasn't too bad to work with? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. And, and you, you kind of probably deal with this a lot, people just kind of... Oh, yeah, that's worse than those people. People lying. Most people, they say, oh, turn off my car. Turn on my car and get it. I'm going to give you this much money or something, something. Never show up, never call me back. Then I'm going to shut down the car back. Ahmad had a kill switch installed in the cars that he sold that was fixed to a GPS system. So if people who bought cars from him on credit missed their payments, he could shut off their cars remotely. His last text messages with you were around, like, October 8th, 9th, 10th. Did you have his car turned off at that time? How do you turn the car off? Can you just explain that to me? When you sold the car on the payment, there's a GPS installed on the system. When the payment not bring it on, we're going to go to the system. When you turn them off, the car completely shut down. Like a key is lost until I'm going to turn on back to, from the computer. So this explains Danye's car being down the week he died. We can see in the texts with Ahmad that not only did he turn off the car, awaiting $436.64 from Danye, but Danye was also claiming that there were issues with the battery and the radiator. Looking through Danye's YouTube history, we see that he watched several videos on how to remove a GPS kill switch from a car. And we kind of glossed over it, but it's probably a good time to focus on the fact that, yes, Danye bought the car in Boise, Idaho. In 2017, Danye took off from St. Louis and moved to Colorado, where he lived and worked briefly before moving to Boise. Looking at his Google location data, we can see that he actually drove all the way to the Puget Sound area of Washington State before circling back to Colorado. Malisha and Danye's grandmother Gloria told us what they knew about Danye's time living in Boise. Everything's so beautiful yeah, that right. you kind of overlook but the things he was pulled over so many times. He had a decent car. He had a nice job, decent car. And because of it... They was calling him a uh, uh, nigger? He kept saying, Grandma, he said, I'm going to get you a plane ticket. I want you to see the scenery. Yeah. It may be a lot of racist things going on. He said, but Grandma, the scenery is so pretty. It's so peaceful. He said, yeah, they pull me over every time I get a chance. I make sure everything is correct. My car, they ask him, what, what, you know, what is a, you're doing driving a car like this? It was the, the Lexus. It was just continuously. They pulled him over, continuously called my name and everything. But he just thought about the peaceful, how pretty it is. And he really wanted to make sure, Grandma, I'll pay for your flight to come here. And you could just see the mountains and the areas and see how pretty it is. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. 
That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Danye told his family members that, while living in Boise, he was frequently pulled over while driving in his new Lexus. After digging through a lot of court records, we were able to find that Danye was arrested in August of 2017 for possession of marijuana and paraphernalia in Boise. Over the following months, Danye would be assigned a public defender and even spend nine days in jail for a failure to appear. The records show a lot of back and forth, a lot of resetting of dates, missed dates, etc. It's all kind of boring, but the long and short of it is, the case was eventually dismissed. When he left, he didn't tell no one. He just left. This is Deja again. She says that when Danye moved west, he didn't tell anybody he was going. One day he just packed up and drove off. Melissa once told us that Danye went to Colorado because weed was legal there. What drew him north to Idaho is sort of a mystery. He tried to convince not only his grandmother to visit, but seemingly even tried to convince Deja to move there, to be with him. He had reached out to me, I think, on Facebook. And he just told me how he's doing good out of town, working for some construction place where he's painting and basically refurbishing places. And I was like, oh, okay, that's real good. And he was trying to get me to come down there, and I was just like, oh, I don't know about that one. Out to Idaho? And my daughter. Yeah, he wanted me to come down there with him. And then I was we- just like, no, not right now. He's like, well, you can come visit. When he got close to my birthday, he wanted to come down for my birthday. So he came down. I was shocked. I was like, you actually here. So we hung out for my birthday. We got a hotel, just chilled. That's when I told him, like, I don't got my plates anymore. So he was just like, okay, well, now you just go to your granny house. I go to my mom's house. So we went to his mom's. And every day he'd come pick me up, take me to work, or uh, take me wherever I needed to go. Deja's birthday is August 7th. So around this time, Danye was back in St. Louis with his new Lexus. And he moved in with his mother and stepfather, where he slept on a couch in the basement. He started talking to his Uncle Daniel about getting into real estate, and by everything we saw in his phone data, he was very focused on this pursuit, though he did do other work for money, including being signed up for a temp service. And Deja says she is hanging out with Danye from that point on regularly, with him picking her up and driving her to work daily. Going through his phone, we found a few more interesting pieces of information surrounding Danye's last day alive. For one, Danye had been messaging with his younger brother Javon over the course of the preceding week about his car needing a new battery and also about wanting a job application for the call center where Javon worked. On the morning of the 16th, Javon asks Danye if he has gotten the new car battery yet, and Danye answers that he hasn't. At 2.29 in the afternoon, Danye asks Javon how much a battery will cost. Then, at 9.34 p.m., Danye texts Javon, I've been asking for your help, but forget it. Javon responds to this at 10.09 p.m. saying, What do you mean? You only asked me about the app and the battery. This back and forth seems to add another layer to the text Danye sent to Malicia at 9.35 p.m. that says, Sorry, sis. The text that police and the pathologist interpreted as a final goodbye. Danye appears pissed off at Javon and seems to be admonishing his younger brother for having ignored him. 
And that makes us wonder if Danye's text to Malicia, which he would write exactly 21 seconds later, really was an apology for his having ignored her when she was over at the house that day, as Malicia believes. It seems to make perfect sense. Danye is trying to get his brother's attention, and his brother isn't responding fast enough. Maybe a light bulb clicks on, and Danye realizes, ah, crap, here I am, mad at my brother for ignoring me, but I ignored my sister and her son when they came over. I should tell her I'm sorry. Danye never sent anything else after Javon's final texts at 10.10 p.m., possibly because he was outside of Wi-Fi range and never saw them. There was something else in the phone that we needed to ask Javon about. The Google location data from Danye's phone is hard to decipher, as it is just blue lines on a map. And as his phone had no cell service, his movement was only tracked when the phone was logged into Wi-Fi, which for the time period in question was only when Danye was at or near his house. We do see for the 16th movement around the house, and movement that seems to indicate that Danye headed south, perhaps only a few houses down, perhaps further if the signal cut out. We wondered if perhaps Danye knew somebody in the neighborhood whose house he could walk to. So we called Javon and asked him about it. Now, I do know we had a plan to rail that stayed. But see, I think his family stayed in that house. I don't think he still actually lived in the house. No, I think they was right uh, to the to left going towards that dead end. Our, our friend Terrell went to school with. He had stayed down there. Rich Trell is somebody that Danye had gone to school with and had remained friends with over the years. Melissa refers to him as Danye's smoking buddy. We can see in Danye's text record that Trell reached out to Danye on the 16th at 2.43 p.m. to say, new pressure on deck, 10 a G and unplugging. This was followed by a series of emojis, one of a tree, a gas tank, a rocket, and a face with smoke coming out of the mouth. So Trell is saying he has new weed available for sale. This seemed like an incredible lead a friend within walking distance who was staying in the direction that Danye's movement data suggested he traveled and who had hit Danye up that afternoon to let him know he had good new weed. So we called Trell. At this time, I stayed right across the tracks. At this time, I stayed seven houses right from me. So the last house he lived in was about seven houses away from the house you were in? Yep, I stayed right at that corner house. According to Trell, he had stayed at various houses in the neighborhood, as he had various family members there. But at the time of Danye's death, he was staying in a house to the south of Melissa's and to the east, just over the railroad tracks behind her yard. This would align with the movement data we see on Danye's phone. We asked Trell when he saw Danye last. So his last, his last day was the, was the 16th. So you're thinking probably about the 14th, something like that is when you saw him? So at first, Trell says he saw Danye a couple days before. We told Trell we saw the text he sent Danye about having new weed for sale. And since we didn't see Danye respond to that message, we asked if Danye just popped by or if he ever just stopped over unannounced. According to Trell, he had hung out with Danye a couple days before his death. He saw Danye on the 16th out on the street working on his car, roughly in mid-afternoon, roughly around the same time he texted him about having the weed. Did Danye ever respond to your October 16th, you know, I got all types of gas on deck text? He didn't read no message past October 4th. He didn't open, he didn't open up that new pressure on deck on the 16th. He never opened that message. It was odd that Trell told us the last time he saw Danye was a couple days before he died, and then went on to say he saw him that afternoon on the street. But perhaps he means that was the last time he hung out with Danye and not just saw him in passing. 
It was so frustrating that this promising lead seemed to be a dead end. But back in Danye's phone, we find that there is, around September 13th, some sort of mysterious event that has Danye quite upset and possibly seeking revenge. This is evidenced by text to three different numbers. The first is a singular text he sent to a number stating plainly, I found out where dudes stay at. The next is a text he sends to a friend of his who lives about three and a half hours drive west in Springfield, Missouri, Maishiana. He tells her, Been good, a lot of BS though. Everybody getting jammed up, MF getting popped. In a bit, I'll probably need to duck off for a week there. And finally, there is a series of texts he sends to Deja, the first of which reads, Marcel, 23, dark skin. I found out where he stay. Delete this after you got it. Note, Danye gave Marcel's full name, but we are withholding it because the accusation against him is pretty heavy and has not been proven in a court of law. Deja replied, I got you. Danye then sent Deja pictures, which we cannot see, but presumably contain Marcel's image. She asks, who on the first picture? So perhaps the pictures contain several different people. The next day, Danye asks Deja, can you have your peoples line it up? We never see a definitive end to this conversation. On September 16th, we see that Danye and Deja had a video chat, and we also see that before the first text in the series was sent, at 10.20 a.m., Danye called Deja. So the whole thing where he names Marcel and sends photos of him and asks if her people can line something up and she says, I got you, had some greater context that now only Deja knows. But it's pretty obvious Danye is angry about a recent event. He wants Deja's help addressing it, and he thinks he may need to go hide out in Springfield. We asked Melissa if she knew who Marcel was. I know him. You do? That's the one that shot at Javon and um, Damon. Is this the friend that you referenced? Yes. Oh, same guy? Uh That's when he got shot. Danye's best friend Damon was seemingly hanging out with Danye's younger brother Javon on September 12, 2018, when Damon was shot four times, allegedly by Marcel. The alleged motive for this shooting was that Javon and Damon had recently hung out with Marcel's girlfriend, and she had posted something of this hangout on Snapchat. He seems very mad about this. He was. Danye and I, we went to the hospital. They only let him go, go in and see him. He came back out. He was, oh, so I told him, I said, listen, you have to let the police handle this. You know, he said, police is not going to do anything. He said, they, they could have killed my brother. And, and I told Javon to go and talk to the police about it. And Don, me and Danye got into it because Danye said that if Javon goes to the police, then they can come back and kill Javon. And I said, well, I just need you to stay out of it. Melissa also thought Danye was probably asking Deja in those texts for help getting a gun. So you're, you're thinking that him talking to Deja about this, this, can your people line it up? He's trying to get a gun through her. Probably so. Did Danye hope to get a gun so he could exact revenge against Marcel? Is that why he thought he might need to lay up in Springfield? Or was it something else, perhaps trying to arrange for other people to do the dirty work? I mean, this is speculation, but do you think Danye would do something so far as, like, try to arrange to get Marcel hurt? Danye would do it himself. Okay. He would do it himself. Um, when it comes to his family, that's what, th- this is what I'm saying. He did not play about us. That, and when I say he was like my protector, he was my protector. Uh, our protectors, he, he did not play when, if someone came after us. Danye's protective nature is a large part of the reason Melissa does not believe he would have ended his own life. But as far as these texts are concerned, again, only Deja knows for sure what Danye was asking for. In episode 6, Deja told us Danye and Melissa had been fighting before he died. This whole series of events, Damon and Javon being shot at, and Danye wanting to seek retribution, it's what that fight was about. By September 19th, a week after the shooting, Melissa says police had Marcel in custody. She had a long text conversation about it with Danye, which boiled down to the fact that Danye didn't want anyone to snitch, because he believed that would be traced back to Javon, 
and then Javon would be targeted. He told Melissa the Marcel problem was going to be handled at the street level. Here she is, reading part of this text chain. The streets was going to take care of that. He knows a lot of people. I said, the streets was going to take care of him? When? After somebody else is killed? So he says, that's what I'm saying. And the first people they will look at is Javon. So what he was saying was he didn't want Javon to be implicated on anything. He said, tell Javon to get a gun is all I'm saying. After that, me and him, we, we had our words. It, we got into it. That's when we got into it, and he left. That we can tell, based on a record search, this Marcel person never was charged for shooting at Damon and Javon. Stop for a moment and think about this timeline of events from Melissa's point of view. In August of 2018, Melissa aids a stranger, Kaywin, after he is shot on West Florissant Avenue. The next month, in September, her son Javon is shot at while hanging out with her other son's best friend, Damon. Then, in October, Danye is found hanged in Melissa's backyard. This woman knew four young black men who were the victims of fatal or near-fatal violence over the course of three months, two of whom were her own sons, and none of whose cases seemingly received a satisfactory investigation. Neither Damon nor Javon wanted to talk to us much about Marcel or the shooting. We couldn't help but wonder if Marcel was at least part of the reason Danye seemed so anxious and maybe paranoid in his last week or so of life. Danye's phone was really a treasure trove of information, and there is no way to possibly cover everything that we found. A quick note, we found absolutely zero hint that Danye was interested in men sexually in any of his data. In fact, quite the opposite. He seemed very interested in women, so anyone with lingering thoughts that perhaps a hidden homosexuality was secretly eating at him, just know there's no real smoke there. In fact, searching his phone data, we found nothing that hinted at depression or suicidal ideation in his texts, nothing in his email, and nothing in his Google searches. Yes, he had some struggles. Real estate deals that didn't work out and a car that needed attention and a late payment that was keeping it from operating. But remember back in episode 5, we talked about how Danye was reconnecting with his ex-girlfriend Loretha? Unlocking his phone is how we know that. They texted back and forth on the 15th of October, after 7pm. They had a long conversation in which Danye told Loretha he was getting his business up and running, and she said that was exciting. She said both of their birthdays were coming up in the next month, so he asked her what she wanted, and she answered that she wanted perfume and a promise ring. She said she wanted to hear all about his business and suggested that they go to a restaurant that weekend, to which Danye said, that sounds good, and she said, okay. The next morning, on what would ultimately be the last full day of Danye's life, at about 10 a.m., he texted Loretha, good morning, beautiful. We don't know if he called her that day or if she called him, so the phone didn't ultimately reveal if Loretha is who Danye went to see the night he died. But clearly, he had things to look forward to. There was only one thing in the whole phone that pointed to Danye having suicidal intent. And when we found it, it hit us hard. Very hard. We went into his YouTube searches, and... There's like 20 searches. I'm going down and I'm finding everything you'd expect. Music, uh, maybe some car stuff, um, real estate. And then there's a search for a very specific phrase, which is how to tie a hangman's noose with a blanket. Looking into someone's phone data is an eerie modern proxy for looking into their minds. Seeing photos Danye took from his cross-country journey, hearing the music he liked, knowing which games he liked to play, it all helped us feel strangely close to him. There was a video in his Google Drive in which he's sitting with some friends, and as music plays in the background, he's smoking a hookah and blowing smoke rings quite well. When a young woman goes to blow smoke rings herself, Danye imitates her 
making good-natured fun of her, mocking her face. Everybody in the room is cracking up laughing. There he was. Everyone who knew Danye well told us he was so funny and silly. And now we can see that it was true. He was. We'd play it here if it weren't for the fact that the comedy is so purely physical and there isn't much to hear other than the room laughing hysterically in response. A phone full of texts and posts and search history that all seemed normal and healthy, but for this one YouTube search. How to tie a hangman's noose with a blanket. Searched for on October 16th, the last day of his life. Upon finding it, we thought, this is it, the clue we've been looking for, the piece of evidence that tips the scale of certainty in one clear direction. Or does it? That's next time on After the Uprising. After the Uprising is directed, produced, investigated, written, and reported by myself, Raina Vyshelsky, and John Duffy. John Duffy was also the editor. Dave Cassidy was producer. Sound engineering, design, and mix by Josh Condon. Executive producers were Matt McDonough and Tina Xeros for Now This, Brett Kushner for Group 9 Media, and Jess Borave was executive in charge of production. Jonathan Hartwig and Bradley Rayford were consulting producers. Eliza Craig was assistant producer and did additional reporting. Mallory Kenoy was a writer's assistant. Kristen McVicker and Taya Wilson were production assistants. And Haley Klesmer was a post-production assistant. Fact-checking by Allison Humes. Theme song and other music by Zachary Walter. Legal by Keith Sklar and Peter Yazzie. Special thanks to Ann Frado, Danny Gonzalez, Barbara Koppel, Alex Lester, Bethann Macaluso, Emily Marinoff, Ruth Vaca, and the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. After the Uprising is a production of Double Asterisk, iHeartMedia, and Now This in association with True Stories. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you have useful information about the death of Danye Jones or anything we've covered, please leave a message on our tip line at 347-674-7401. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.